What should the Oklahoma City Thunder do with Josh Giddy? Is benching him the answer? We'll tell you why it's not on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. We're diving into the Thunder's starting lineup and rotation. What should the Thunder do with Josh Giddy? Is benching him the right answer? And if it's not, what's the solution? Plus your mailbag questions like more questions on the rotation and who's on the Mount Rushmore of Thunder hate. So a lot to get to in today's show. We're also going to preview this in-season tournament matchup with the Sacramento Kings. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. Use code all lowercase locked on NBA and your first deposit will be matched up to a hundred dollars. The Thunder right now are in the first stretch of an incredibly exciting season. Not yet 10 games into the year, but the burning question around Bricktown is should the Thunder ground Giddy? Should they bench him? Should they change anything about what they're doing revolving around Josh Giddy's slow start? The simple answer is no. Look, this is, is only continuing to grow after he was benched down the stretch of that game against Cleveland. But that's a Mark staple. That's what Mark does. He did that last year whenever there were not as many great options to put in over Josh Giddy, but they were the hot hand that night. He's going to do it again if Josh Giddy continues to struggle. But at the end of the day, we're eight games into the season. And this season through eight games, Josh Giddy is averaging 12 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. He's averaging 39% from the floor, 23% from 3, and 77% at the line. Last year, in the first eight games, Josh Giddy was averaging 13 points, up 1. 6 rebounds, the same. 5 assists, up 1. He shot much better comparatively, 42% to 39% from the floor. And then he shot 28%. Uh, from deep, which was better, of course, uh, than what he's shooting right now from beyond the arc. But ultimately, it's the same impact that he had on the Thunder through eight games last year as he's having this year. But he was able to end it on a career high in his second season with 16 points, eight rebounds, and six assists a night, going for 48% from the floor and 32% from three. So despite his struggling early on last year, he was able to get it going. 
And in the last two games, I felt like the decision-making was a lot better from Josh Giddy. Mark even agreed whenever I asked him post-game about that assumption. And the biggest issue I found with Josh Giddy's game, especially against Cleveland and down the stretch uh, against Atlanta, is that the frustration is not only growing, but it's showing up on the court from Josh Giddy. And I think that you just have to give yourself some grace a little bit if you're Josh Giddy and not let your frustration kind of uh, rule or, or, or dictate your game in any way. Of course, you'd much rather see the shots go in than not. But a lot of the time, especially against Cleveland, there's nothing that you would change besides having the ball go in. And sometimes the pumpkin does not find the patch. So the burning question is, should the Thunder bench Josh Giddy? What's the solution if not? First and foremost, you have to let a guy play, and you have to let him play through this stretch. And this is a 10-game stretch uh, that, that has not even reached the 10th game yet of the first 10 games of the season. And so we have to put into perspective that he also started slow last year. And then it's a 10 out of 82 game stretch. This is an incredibly long season. And if he started out with a with a great, excellent peak of his powers 10 game stretch and then had a the next 10 games be terrible, it would not feel as dire as it feels right now because this is the only thing you have to point to about this season. But I don't think that the Thunder should bench him, and I, and I would venture to guess uh, that the Thunder will have the exact same starting five for the remainder of the season as long as those five guys are healthy. I think that every time the five guys are healthy, you're going to see them at the jump ball circle, and it's going to be SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, and Chet. Now, as we've seen this season already, the closing lineup is a huge variable. That is going to change night to night. That is going to change based upon who has the hot hand, based upon who's working their matchups uh, and, and who you're playing against and what you need in that situation. If you need a, if you need a quick comeback, you're going to lean more offensive focused. If you want to lock down defensively, you're going to have a defensive focus. And then there's going to be guys throughout the course of a game who just are on fire and you have to stick with them even at the cost of somebody in that starting five. So we already know that the, that the closing lineup is a variable. But it's no fun to just say let the guy play through it, which is the right answer. So I'll grant you this. I would be interested in kind of a different wrinkle, a, a quicker stagger for the Thunder, similar to how Houston played with CP3 and Harden, where like they started the game together, but fairly quickly you staggered those two guys to allow them to maximize what they do best on the floor. Even if it's just as quick as like three minutes into the game, benching – Josh Giddy or either Isaiah Joe or Cason Wallace, uh, depending on what you need the, the most of. Because, of course, with Isaiah Joe, you're very offensive heavy, but he's not a, a turnstile defensively uh, for Isaiah Joe. With Cason Wallace, you're very defensive heavy, but he also makes a high impact offensively. So both those guys are great options, you know, no matter what you need. But you, of course, have a more specialties from each of those guys uh, for, for certain matches. But nonetheless, benching Josh Giddy earlier in the first quarter – and then allowing him to come back and lead that secondary group in this more playmaking style, this more playmaking role, I think could really help him turn his season around. And of course, if he if he does that and he gets hot, then you close with him. If he's not hot, then you bench him like you did against Cleveland. And then you can also mix him back in with that first five lineup as the game dictates. 
But I think that we get so caught up in this eight-game stretch that we forget that Josh Giddy is not even two months removed from being at a star level in FIBA of like he was being, you know, touted around the, the FIBA World Cup as one of the best young players at the event, as one as as a leader of Team Australia and the Boomers who had their who had their best run uh, in in program history. Really, uh, when, when you think about it, uh, one of their best runs in, in their history. And that was two months ago, much less when you point all the way back to the Pelicans game, much less when you point back all the way to that, that December, January stretch where uh, he, he was playing like, like an all-star caliber player uh, for that, for that sample size. Like we've seen him play much better than this. And I don't think he just simply forgot how to play. We've seen him play much better than this in a Mark Dignall system. We've seen him play much better than this with Chet Holmgren on the court. We've seen him play much better than this with the other four starters on the court as well all of last year. We've seen him do it. He can do it, and I think that he will, just as he started slow last year. He's going to figure it out. He's going to to play through it. Now you can have the conversation of how do you avoid these slow starts because the slow start was happening – you know, the first eight games of last year, but it also is a trend that happens uh, for like game to game, just starting slow within the game itself. How do you avoid some of that? Like that is an interesting conversation and of how to get over that hump. You can have the conversation of what lineups are best maximizing what the Thunder want to do in the grand scheme of things. But to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one is way too premature over an eight-game sample size. Again, an eight-game sample size would be completely hidden away uh, had he started out incredibly strong in eight games and then had a subsequent eight games where he was just terrible. So it's all about what have you done for me lately. It's all about um, what the most recent uh, events are. And you also always just have to factor in that there are some people who, even you know, fans of the team, of course, even specifically fans of the team, who think that the only way to be objective is with negativity. That, that's not true at all. You know, being objective it doesn't have to look uh, like bashing somebody or being negative or, or, or thinking that you're analyzing a game doesn't have to be pointing out flaws or, or harping on uh, certain issues. It's going to it contain that, right? There's going to be players where we're going to talk about Pokashevsky here in a little bit. There's going to be players where you do – you know, skew more, hey, this is not going well, this is not going good, but the extremes that you get to, it's the same thing that was uh, happening with Lou Dort last year. Last year, for 90% of the season, the same people that you're seeing right now put Giddy out the pasture were the same people who, who ejected Lou Dort uh, from, from the face of the franchise this time last year. And now Lou Dort has grown and developed and, and has found a role to be an incredibly efficient offensive weapon for the Thunder, and we know what he brings defensively. And Lou Dortz had many, many, many more NBA minutes in games played than Josh Giddy. So it can happen. It takes time. Rome wasn't built in the day, and development is not linear, and all the other catchphrases and cliches you want to use to get down to the basic truth of Josh Giddy is playing bad in these eight games. He's not playing good. He's not playing up to his standard, the Thunder standard, or anybody else's standard. He's not playing good at all. 
But these eight games do not make a career. These eight games do not define a tenure. And these eight games, in the grand scheme of things, even within the construct of this season, will not dictate how good or bad he is. From now until April, well, but as we saw a year ago, people left last season extremely encouraged by Josh Giddy. And yet he started out just as bad last year. So I think that it's all like everyone always needs, you know, some people always need a negative angle. There's not much to pick from on this team besides the one guy who's having a really rough go of it right now. And that, and that's just going to be the way it is. You're you're never going to change that aspect of, of fandom of, of, of talking sports and basketball and, and uh, life at, at times also, but Let's just see how it all rides out. There are things that the Thunder, I think, will do and will change, and you have to uh, put the trust in Mark to do it. Not blind trust either. Trust that I think that he's earned. Now, if if nothing changes, right, then we can readdress this conversation. But I think that Mark has earned a, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of his pattern since he's been the head coach, which if you follow the team, you would know that, like, Benching Josh Giddy against Cleveland was not some rash new thing. He did it all of last season, whenever Josh Giddy didn't have it. You know, being able to, to tinker with rotations and when you put guys in, what matchups you put them on, and, and, and how you utilize them, that is something that Mark is constantly doing. So letting this team figure it out for longer than eight games would be strongly advised. So Josh Giddy, to recap, is playing bad. I think that he should stay in the starting lineup, and I think that you could you could make the strong argument that he should be staggered quicker and, and should be playing with the bench unit more, but not starting with the bench unit uh, in that way. I think that, that I think that, that first five man lineup of you know Shea, Josh, Jada, Dort, Chet that that can still be a really good lineup in the NBA. Uh, it, it's just going to take, uh, of course, Josh Gee just to, to not be. Uh, having uh, these bad nights that he's had. And I I think that he will turn it around sooner than later, uh, hopefully. And we'll continue to monitor the situation as it goes on. Uh, There's just a a good balance between what the discourse is right now surrounding Josh Giddy and this Thunder team. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Thunder Kings game in your mailbag questions, but I do want to say right now, today's show is sponsored by Jace Medical. Jace Medical is offering you a Jace case. The Jace case uh, is there to help you and empower you to, uh, you know, give you these five life-saving antibiotics that can help you in a pinch and can make sure that you are uh, protected and make sure that you are you are prepared for anything that life throws at you and you can have access to uh, the, these life-saving antibiotics uh, in, in, in case that you need them. You know, maybe something pops up late at night and, and you need uh, help right away where you can be having sure that you have that peace of mind from Jace Medical. Uh, jscmedical.com uh, code locked on $20 discount on your order from Jace Medical for the Jace case. Uh, you, you can go there right now and check them out because they have these antibiotics who can uh, that can save your life and, and really help you out. And that they are they are able to help you with uh, consults and and and, and with uh, you know ongoing uh, care and of course licensed pharmacists who can help you out in this scenario as well. So go to jacemedical.com jscmedical.com promo code locked on for that $20 discount on your order. Check them out today at jacemedical.com. 
Jasecase.com, J-A-S-E-Medical.com. $20 discount on your Jace case with those five uh, life-saving antibiotics. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, let's get into your mailbag questions. So, F-O-K asks, when is Kenny Hustle back? Uh, super soon. Uh, I, I think that it is currently refresh season. You go to the injury report website on the nbaofficial.com, whatever whatever the actual URL is, it's like nbaofficial.com, then you click on injury report, uh, and then away you go. Uh, but refresh it. It, it, it uh, updates hourly uh, at the bottom of the hour. Refresh it, uh, and I think that pretty soon you'll see Kenny Hustle back. He's getting really close. Um, I, I, would, I would venture to guess uh, it'd, be, it'd be incredibly soon. Now, he's currently listed as out for Sacramento. Again, those things do update hourly. Uh, but it, not too far away, especially as you see him do more and more uh, in the even the media viewing of uh, of practice. Uh, would growing a beard help Josh Giddy draw fouls? Very interesting question. Uh, very poignant question in the, in the discussion of basketball, and uh, I think that we should take this under consideration. Uh, I would love to do a, a analysis on. Uh, bearded players versus facial hairless players and who gets more fouls and who doesn't. If you look on the Thunder roster right now, it is interesting of all the players who have consistently gotten to the free throw line this year, the face of that, the, the really the arguably only guy who's consistently gotten to the free throw line per drives, like per capita of drives is Chet Holmgren and notoriously Chet Holmgren a beard guy. Correlation? Coincidence? I don't know. It's up for you to decide. I'll, I'll talk to some officials. I'll ask them, you know, what it takes to get some fouls around here. But Chad Holmgren, beard, gets fouls. SGA? No true beard? No fouls. Think about it. Look, I don't know if Josh Giddy is... Uh, is uh, fortunate enough to to be able to grow a beard. Some of us can't, and, and you know that's okay. And and, and we should uh, respect people uh, who who struggle in the facial hair department, especially um, in the bearded department. That is a very tough one. Uh, some people got it, some people don't. Uh, uh, you know, this is the best I can do in terms of the the mustache, but I can't really grow a beard. And 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 if that's the, the same problem, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, plugging Josh Giddy, and this is why he's not getting foul calls. Foul calls, uh, I really feel for him. But uh, that's good investigation, investigative work for OKC. You know, SGA kind of has that little uh, – it's not called like a – it's not like a soul patch. What's it called? The little goatee type of thing, uh, chin beard type of thing, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he needs to grow like a full-blown beard like like Chet to get to, to, get to the line. I don't know. We'll, we'll continue to track that as we move forward. Uh, so we can go now to the next question. Why no minutes for Trey Mann, Michich, and Bertans? Let's break it down. Three players, three quick answers. That was Bertans. Even forgetting the contract stuff, if you didn't know, that the Thunder can't play him in 75% of games or else they, they would owe him $16 million. If they play him in less than 75% of games, they only owe him $5 million whenever they do cut him this offseason. So, uh, they're going to to limit his playing time 
and, and make him miss, I believe it's 20 games, uh, to ensure that they only have to cut him for $5 million next year instead of uh, $16 million. Simple financial math. Great stuff there. Now, even forgetting that, pushing that to the side, he is insanely limited defensively to where the only lineups where you can get him some burn is whenever the other team has a stationary player on the floor. So uh, his two best matchups this season have been when he defends Joe Harris, who just sat in the corner and did literally nothing. He moved less than you or I when he was on the floor offensively in the half court. Uh, and then against the Cavs, he faced off with Dean Wade, sort of the same thing there. But the second that those guys are no longer in play and the opposition picks up on Bertans and tries to, to pick on them, there's really nothing you can do. And I say that there's nothing you can do because there are plenty of bad defenders who are bad because they don't try and they don't give effort and they don't care defensively. Dallas Bertans, you can say that he's bad on defense and, and you'd be right. One thing about it is he does try. He does give everything that he has and, and he is uh, active defensively. He's just not very good. And that, that's, that is just how it is. So he's not very good defensively. Uh, so with that being said, at best, you're going to play him 10 or 10, you know, 10 or 12 minutes a game at most. That is the most you can steal. Cause whenever you have Bertans on the floor, you are stealing minutes to try to, to try to get him on the floor because of what you're sacrificing defensively. And like the other night against Cleveland, his three ball wasn't working. So if that three ball is not on in that 10 minute stretch, then you've really uh, risked a lot for not a ton of reward for at best trying to go uh, with a net neutral time on the floor with Breton. So, you know, Breton's is just a, a, in a point where there's not much you can do to play him. Now, to his credit, he, like the rest of these guys, Mitch and, and men, have done, has, he's done a great job of being a great teammate. And, uh, you know, even at shoot around doing, doing kind of silly stuff like the, like the post shooting game that they play, which is a, a fun thing to observe. He's into it. He's, he's laughing. He's dancing with the train man. He's, he's, he's having a ball out there, uh, even though he's on a string of a few DMP CDs at the time. So uh, credit to him for being engaged with this young team that he doesn't know anything to. He, he, he has been here for a New York minute and he is still locked in and, and trying to help as best he can with his team, uh, which is encouraging to see, especially after some uh, of the reputation stuff that, that, that came with Bertans this off season. So it's been great. And it's been, and every time that he's, uh, you know, been made available to the media. He's been awesome to talk to and very open and candid with his answers. Uh, it's been it's been great, but he's just very limited in what you can do. So that's why you don't see a ton of minutes for him, even though in this uh, utopic world, his three-point shooting is a huge value. It's all the other stuff that really hinders him. Uh, Trey Mann, it, it, it's a style of play thing, I think, where it's a bit different than the team identity. Uh, but when he has been given a very, 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 small sample size uh, this year at the end of blowout games, low stakes, of course, he's played well. And again, he deserves a lot of credit for staying ready and also being a really good teammate uh, who's not pouting or anything else whenever he could uh, be as a former first-round pick uh, who is not playing a ton for OKC. Uh, Micic has already addressed that he's he's having a very hard time adjusting defensively. I think that you're going to see the Thunder start to gel him in. And I would just, again, if you're if you are worried about Micic, I know that, that the Gabriel Deck PTSD is real, but I'd go back and look at last year's October and November lineups and compare them to um, the, the end of, you know, you know, to compare them to like March and, and February lineups and see how they're different, what the Thunder are doing. 
This is an incredibly long season, folks. Incredibly long. Coming up, we're going to get to more of your questions. Uh, but first, I want to say right now, we're good friends over at Price Picks, folks. Price Picks is great. You can go to pricepicks.com right now, slash locked in NBA. And when you do, you get an instant deposit match up to $100 at pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Folks, Price Picks is awesome. It is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And what you can do with price picks is you can combine these sports of like, if you want to tonight, for example, you can combine the NBA in-season tournament games with a college football game or with a college basketball game. And so you can make these price pick projections. And so what I love the most about price picks, though, is it's only you versus the projections. So there's there's no like crazy and insanely well-versed betting shark who can go and just dominate this pool you're in. That's it, none of that. It's just you versus the numbers. So you can go and make these games a lot more interesting to watch by going over to pricepicks.com slash locked on. And when you do, all you got to do is pick two to six players and then just project. Will they have more or less than their prize pick projections? So you can say SGA, will he have more or less than a block and a half. You can say, will Chet Holmgren have more or less than two and a half blocks? You can put in there, will Josh Kidd have more or less than eight and a half points? You can do a lot of fun stuff over there at Price Picks with the Thunder, uh, with NBA, with NFL. You can even do cross-sport entries, like I mentioned. So uh, if you want to, you can take already Sunday projections for, for tonight's Friday game. You can take Sunday projections in the NFL and tie them into this Thunder in-season tournament game if you want an entire weekend of sweating out these projections. So check them out today at pricepicks.com. That's pricepicks.com, and you can use the promo code LOCKEDINNBA for the first deposit matchup to $100. And if you're worried because all you care about is the NBA and we know on the NBA, you can never really tell who's going to play and who's not going to play, don't worry at all because Price Picks has a reboot policy to where if you're a player that you've already entered uh, does not play, or even if they got in for just a second, uh, they're going to make sure you're taken care of uh, on that entry whenever you didn't have a shot at all uh, because of him not playing to to, to win. So uh, make sure you go there right now to Price Picks and use code LOCKEDINNBA when you do. It is a $100 deposit match up to $100 uh, for you. So check it out today at prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDINNBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Smokey says, how do you feel about the Thunder being back and good enough to the point where they are cheated out of games? Uh, it feels good that these calls matter, right? The refs have gotten calls wrong from the first time that basketball was ever played in Toronto in the NBA to the to current day no matter who's playing, right? In Charlotte games, the calls get wrong. In the biggest of big stages, the calls get wrong. So, like, the refs blow calls a ton. But to have them actually matter and to actually have them be fodder again is just a sign that, that like, this fan base, this team, this organization is back uh, in, into relevancy, which is great, uh, and which is fun, and which uh, is great for me personally doing this job that you guys care enough to listen to and, 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 to, and to seek out uh, coverage of this team. I really appreciate that. And of course, we're trying to get better every day. Thunderbeard says, uh, Draymond Green for a thousand reasons, Patrick Beverly for Russell Westbrook's knee, 
Clay for game six. Who else is on the Thunder Mount Rushmore of most hated opponents? Uh, I'm going to say that Termine guy from SiriusXM. Yeah, that was a great opponent during the rebuild. A lot of battles with him, uh, a lot of hard-fought wars, a lot of black eyes, a lot of punches thrown, uh, shots fired. You know, it was a tough battle. Uh, in the end, Oklahoma City came out on top, uh, as they typically do. Uh, but respect to the opponent for trying. Uh, I hope that he enjoys Charlotte. I hope that he enjoys all that's happening right now with the Buzz City Hornets and and, and hopefully the new ownership there uh, will give him a, a fighting chance. But uh, black guys healed up, put some stakes on it, and uh, ready to go. So I'd say the Tremaine guy is probably, is probably the Mount Rushmore of most hated opponents uh, for Thunder fans, uh, along with the names that he mentioned. Uh, who is the most expendable uh, of the guys that are being a consistent DNP to start the season? Uh, it's Poku. I mean, look, the Thunder have a history of, of what they like to do with restricted free agent guys, and, and it's to move on from them as they did with Darius Baisley last year. And, uh, you know, through all of the front court issues, uh, Poku didn't find himself in the rotation. Now you have to caveat that with just because Poku was not on the injury report doesn't mean he wasn't injured in the sense of, uh, you know, he wasn't ramped up. Like he, he was not ramped up, and he still, I don't think, is ramped up enough. To, to have truly factored in factored into the rotation and to truly have factored into um, you know the decision making process to, to play him heavy minutes when the Thunder lacked front court depth. He was part of the reason why that they lacked front court depth because of the injury he sustained pre-training camp. So he missed all of training camp. He missed all the preseason. Uh, so that, that really limits what you can what you can use him in in the early season. And once you get behind the eight ball, it's hard to catch up, especially when, whenever in the early season, the G League is not happening. So the G League starts tonight, which gives you another avenue to send him or anyone else who's not playing, Trey Mann, anyone else who, who you want to, down there to play. So you saw them do that with, with the Blue uh, this week, and, and and people kind of questioned why would they do that when the Blue aren't playing. Well, the Blue have been having training camp, and so training camp practices are very intense. They're very hard. Uh, they are very, like, scrimmagey and live, whereas the Thunder – are now in in-season practices where they're very light and, and you don't want to do it a whole lot most of the time because you just played a game and you play a game the next day. Very rarely do you have consecutive off days to where uh, the, the in-season practices are way, way, way light, which is not great for uh, ramping up players who have not gotten to play or have, who have been injured and are recovering from injury. So that's why you saw Jay Will, Jang, Poku, Trey Mann all go down there uh, during blue training camps because that they were live and they were scrimmaging because they were in their training camp portion. Now the G league is, is back and, and the games tip off tonight that the blue are playing the Texas legends tonight. Uh, and so that gives you another Avenue to help ramp up Poku uh, and anyone else you want to, and the G league, which will help him in general. But last year of his deal, no extension in sight as we all expected. Uh, and he's been passed by a little bit by other guys on the roster you have, a, you have a huge influx of picks coming in, of course, uh, n- not just like your mountain of draft picks, but even within the construct of this draft uh, that we're about to see in 2024. Uh, and I just I, I think that he's obviously the most expendable because I think that we went through like Bretons. Yeah, sure, they're going to come at the end of the year, but we already know that. So that's not an interesting answer. Uh, Michich, I, I think that we've addressed how I think it'll get back in the rotation and play heavy minutes for sure. And of course, he's on a longer contract. Uh, and, and then you, you're down to Poku and Trey Mann. Obviously, both great answers for this question. But uh, I would be I would be 
curious to see if we don't if we don't end up in the same place with Poku that the Thunder did with Baisley of seeing him be dealt at the deadline for uh, you know relative peanuts for 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 the investment on the front end in Poku, but we'll see. Maybe he can be ramped up in the blue. Uh, you know, with the with the G League here tonight, and he can get ramped up for a couple games, and the Blue come back to OKC next week on Wednesday, and um, I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry, on, on Monday and Wednesday, so that could be another great time to send him there while you're in town uh, for that Tuesday game against San Antonio. You send him to the Blue for Monday and Wednesday in the front and back into that game, uh, you know, so maybe he can come back from that and play his way like he did last year. He played really well last year. He played at a contributing level last year um, in the stretches of of uh, November, December. Then he, of course, had a devastating leg injury, which decimated his entire season after that. So in the whole course of this Poku experiment, you have two really good months, and he's had uh, no chance to prove that those two months were legitimate yet. Maybe he gets that chance. I think he will get that chance uh, at some point this season, but he's got to use that time to truly prove that those two months were legitimate. He can still do it, but uh, he's for sure very expendable um, just because of the circumstances that, that he's found himself in uh, with this stop. Now, I believe that he'll get, if this is the end of OKC, as in like this season at some point or in the offseason, I do believe he'll get a shot somewhere else. And I wouldn't close the book on him in OKC at all. I'm just saying that to answer your question, uh, you'd have to be circling Poku right now uh, with, with this answer. So for all those reasons, it's Poku, but I still believe that Poku can play a really close to what he did in November and December last year. And if he can do that, then uh, he would be worth you know a smaller contract uh, extension for OKC. But we'll see if he can actually come through with that once he ramps up from this uh, rehab process. Tonight, the Thunder play the Kings. You can catch that game on SiriusXM. Matt Pinto has the call for the Thunder on the radio. You can also catch uh, the Lockdown Thunder podcast there and anywhere else you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. But this is the in-season tournament game, game number two, for OKC. It's in Sacramento. The Kings have lost back-to-back games to the Rockets in embarrassing fashion. They have fallen to the Warriors. They currently sit three and four. The Thunder set five and three. The Thunder are looking for their first Western Conference win, which is pretty interesting, just how the schedule fell out. But the Thunder are 0-1 in season tournament group play. The Kings are not have not played yet in the in-season tournament. This will be their first game in pool play. So It'll be important for them, important for the Thunder. Now, the Kings do not have De'Aaron Fox, which, looking at their depth, is not a great thing at all. I mean, it's going to be a lot on uh, Davion Mitchell, going to be a lot on Keegan Murray, uh, going to be a lot on these uh, you know, Kings of Sabonis versus Chet. Uh, and, and no Fox does take some of the excitement out of the game as a whole, but it should give the Thunder a bit of an advantage, of course, uh, having Fox out of the lineup and kind of decimating one of the biggest key factors for the Kings in their lineup. Now the Thunder still lists Kenny Hustle is out, but really it's a short injury report for this point in the season. Fox is out, Trey Lowes is out, and Kenny Hustle's out. That's it. Uh, Keontae Johnson, of course, is with the blue as they start their season today. Watch out for any sort of morning announcements on on Saw or, or Waters or uh, Poku or anyone else that you could keep tabs on. Let's see where they're at as the morning unfolds. But ultimately, you're going to have the Kings Thunder tonight in a very big in-season game, uh, in-season tournament game. The Thunder have to win tonight. You know they they should they should very much be advised to win tonight and, and get back on the high side in this in-season tournament, and then hope that the Warriors lose their next in-season tournament game and and kind of go from there. If you want to make a night out of it, 
the Thunder on the West Coast, you're going to be staying up late anyway. You can start your night with Minnesota against the Spurs in the end-season tournament pool play for West Group C. Uh, that'll be a fun one to watch leading into Thunder Kings. So we'll have it all for you on the recap show tonight. And until then, be good and be good to one another.